Welcome into the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Overtime coming at you for the next two hours right here on Fan Run Radio. Jake Miller, Davis Rangi, producer Matthew, intern Bryson. Tennessee defeats Texas this weekend. Very stellar performance by Olivier Cumwines, Kai Ziegler. Tennessee moves up to number two in the AP rankings. And we have not seen the sun shine in three damn days. Five. But, yeah, great game Saturday. Um, Now number two in the AP poll, number one in Ken Palm. Uh, We're now number 33 in adjusted offense, number one, as usual, in adjusted defense. Um, You know, huge game by Olivier. You know, Ziegler's really turning it on. Now you're SEC player of the week. Um, I loved our defense. Like, I I just love the effort Saturday in all phases. Um, You know, even Josiah was cooking a little bit, talking some noise and – you know, that's what you need coming down the stretch. But, you know, even after all that, as great of a game and great of a night that was, I it's still just in the back of my mind, what about March? Because Texas and teams like that, that's who you're going to see yeah. coming down the stretch. And once you get – if you get past the round of 32 and the Sweet 16, you're going to see teams like that all the time. So, um, that was a good test, though. That gets you ready for the big games. And, uh, you know, I'm just – hopefully Purdue slips up so you can get that number one spot. Never thought I'd be saying that about this team. Yeah, no joke. But, I mean, the thing that you just brought up was the Ken Palm rankings. And something that I want to emphasize to everybody, and we would mentioned this with Phil last week, as to how this year seems like a down year for college basketball. And it has been proven this is the worst year of college basketball in the history of the Ken Palm era, which started in 2002. Well, I mean, Purdue, for instance, they lost their best player, Jaden Ivey, to the draft, and right. they're even better than they were last year. Like, no one expected them to be this good. Well, I mean, Jaden Ivey was a key piece to that team. Exactly. I mean, here's the thing. We know, for a fact, the argument that we were having a few weeks ago, yeah, that 2019 team, they'd probably beat up on this team. But we also know that Tennessee needs to take advantage of a down year of college basketball, especially when we have the talent that we have over there right now. There's enough talent over there to go deep in March. Another point about that 2019, 2019 team, there was a ton of good teams that year. I mean, you talk about Duke and Zion, Michigan State, that eventually bounced them out. Gonzaga was good. Like, there was tons. Virginia, Purdue, like, yeah. there was multiple, multiple, like, elite teams that year. This year, it's not really looking like that. There's no one that's really stood out. I, I kept saying all year that Alabama was really the one team that kind of stood out. But after getting blown up by 30 against uh, Oklahoma, I mean – Really, it's wide open. It's anyone's race, and um, if you're going to break down the door, this is your year to do it for sure. Do it while everyone is down. That is the key to the to winning in March this season. Let's go right to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Sharpie is first. What do you say, Sharpie? Hello, this is Stetson Bennett, two-time defending national champion. Hello. Are you still drunk? <laughs> huh? Are you still drunk? Yeah, I mean, but that's all he's going to be known for now. He can he can forget the two time national champion. That's all he's going to be known for now. Goodness, yeah. If you uh, haven't heard, Stetson Bennett was arrested this weekend for public intoxication down in Dallas. Should be noted, he is twenty five years old and still has not graduated. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. How about Kamwa this weekend? I mean, that was just uh, – I mean, obviously it was a career game. It was a career high in points. Played just magnificent. I mean, the way he was able to just break loose, I think he what two – or two of his three dunks were alley-oop dunks. Mm-hmm. And then he had that one he just absolutely threw down there towards the end. So, I mean, 
I just wish we could get that night in and night out. That's all I want. Just give me that performance. Night in and night out. I'm not saying you have to go for 27 every night. But get around that 18-19 mark. Do what Grant was doing. I mean, those are some, like, Grant Williams types moves, like in the post where he went up and under, fake, up and under. Like, that was beautiful. And that was not, like, some scrubs that he was getting guarded by. Like, that's a good team. They're all athletic, all big. They can all lock down, and he just absolutely cooked them. What do you have, 27? 27. Career game. Well, and two, you got to think, what have we been complaining about this whole year with basketball? This team just isn't as fun to watch as them. That was fun to watch on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like I watched it from start to finish. That was a great performance. Not to mention the best damn uniforms we've ever put on our backs. Yeah, I love the uniforms. It did bother me, though. I think we got up by 25 in the second half and ended up winning by 11. I was the one to beat them by 25, 30 points. Well, and that was probably my biggest complaint from Saturday is you let them hang around and you let them get on that run and allowed them to get too close, in my opinion. Yeah, well, they started shooting it a little better, more than closer to their average. But, yeah, yeah I would I mean, have liked to blown them out more. Yeah, they finally got hot with about seven to go, and that's – too mean, late. I mean, that's no. the thing is I was – Starting yeah. to get a little worried. And they got down to what nine? Yeah. Yeah, nine. Yeah, and then finally Wick Boys took that timeout. And yeah. The that momentum was... just swung back. Yeah. Let them go a little too long. Yeah, I was getting worried, uh, but that just shows you you can get up so much on a team they can't come back. And I think we had that that big belief they just couldn't come back. But when they they were some shooters, big time shooters on that Texas team. They were talking on ESPN, there were, there were two guys that went to the line. One guy was shooting 86% for the year, they said, and one guy was shooting 88%. And that one guy, the last guy, he missed the last free throw. He looked like he was a textbook shooter. I'm mean, just sitting there watching him. His mechanics were just perfect on his shooting. I mean, that was a good team that we beat. A good team. And uh, that, that foul... <laughs> that car committed on uh, ZZ in the first half that gave him his second foul and took him out for the first half. Barnes teaches them to do that. That's a uh, – I think I've seen Vescovi do it, but that's what uh, Pete Maravich would call a stop and pop. It's when you're dribbling, you're dribbling the ball maybe against the press – and you're going full speed, dribbling the ball, and you just stop and you keep dribbling. And that's what that's what uh, ZZ did. And that car came over him for his came over his back and was called for a foul. But I mean, I think Barnes works with him on that. I mean, that's one of the he, things that they've been working on, night in, night out, day in, day out, for months and months and months. Pre- appreciate the phone call, Sharpie. Let's get Daniel in here next. What do you say, Daniel? How y'all doing today? Good. Uh, heard you uh, on the on the uh, on the big show today, Jake. Filling in and doing a spectacular job. Somebody's got to bring some talent over there, guys. Before we get to the balls, we got to talk about that uh, AFC championship game last night. That was rig job scripted. It was scripted. Like it couldn't have been any more obvious that they were hell-bent on getting Kansas City in the Super Bowl. It could you not know, have been we, any more obvious. We know that, that anytime you hit a quarterback out of bounds like that, 
that it's going to be a penalty. And I get it. That guy did it. But we're split. if we're splitting hairs here, if he hits a tailback or a wide receiver or someone else tied in out of bounds, I'm not. I'm. I'm thinking they keep that that flag in their pocket, right? Yes, Most likely, probably. yes, but, definitely. I mean, yes. the the calls before that. I mean, you let them replay third and nine. Then when you let them replay, you call ticky tack pass interference, and then the intentional grounding was questionable. Then they didn't call they, the block in the back on the punt return. Well, they also yep. didn't call a rough in the passer when Joe Burrow yep, had already released too. the ball. Yep. And two seconds later, he gets popped. It's like, what? Where's the flag there? They also didn't call a holding a a blatant holding penalty yeah, on the last on Trey one. Smith yeah. Uh, yeah. right before he hit him out of right before he hit uh, Mahomes out of bounds. Yep. It was just you said it right there. The whole uh, intentional grounding when the running back was right there in the vicinity. Um, they can say that it wasn't beyond the line of scrimmage all they want to, but he was. It was past the blue line. Um, the, the, the pass interference called. They did everything that they could um, just to keep them in the game. Uh, I mean, it, it was it was more than evident that they that they wanted um, that they wanted Kansas City to win. It was more. It, and, and listen, Cincinnati has got to get a, has got to get a no line. I mean, I, I know they they put money in it last year, but they still got holes. Um, but I'm telling you, I I just don't know if Mahomes he, he's going to do some serious rehab because that 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 Philly defensive line is coming after him. I sure hope they do, and I hope they call a million holding penalties. They won't, but no, I, on. honest God, and I know that Jalen Hurts was a bammer. I know that he transferred out and went to Oklahoma. I don't know who gets to claim him. Probably Oklahoma more so than Alabama because they didn't appreciate him and told him to walk, but. I really do hope the Eagles go in here and win this thing by at least twenty points. Agreed, and I'm I tell you with you, he and Obamer. I mean, they want they wanted him to rush out the door. I mean, and then he goes to Oklahoma and has you know. I mean, the guy's done nothing but win everywhere he's been. And I mean, um, but yeah, I guess I pull for the Eagles. I don't really care anything about the Eagles, but um, I, I don't know. It was it was just a screw job completely last night. Segue into the Vols, man. I don't. I'm not. I'm by no means like glossing over this team, uh, but I just really think that Kentucky loss left a sour taste in a lot of ball fans' mouths. It didn't really necessarily me, but it just kind of led me kind of apathetic. As that's a, that was an NCAA tournament game, and we come up, we we fell short again. Now I'll say I'll say this: we are, this team is very likely to make a deep run, but. We'll just have to see it when it gets there. But I think this team is very like very likely to do so. I agree 100. percent And um, you know, it's one of those things. If we don't make a deep run this year, like if we get put out in the first weekend again, I will be the first one on here ready to bash everything and anything because this year there's no excuse. It's uh, going to be very uh, what's the word apathetic if you don't go deep in March this year if it's not already. Well, I, I, I think there's a little bit of apathy in the fan base right now. I don't. I don't I, there's a lot of people talking about how they don't like this team. It's not that I don't like this team. I love this team. I think. I think that they got they got all the pieces to do it. But on on offense, when their shots aren't falling, they're not going to beat anybody. And that's the problem with this team. And that's the problem against Kentucky. Kentucky didn't even beat us. We beat ourselves because. They shot 34% from the field, and if we just had a couple more possessions go our way, we win that game. But that's the problem. That's the problem in March. You're down. You have one game. One. I mean, luckily, I think Zakai's getting established as our guy now. So 
maybe he's the one, the guy that can go out and get us the bucket that we need. That's the differentiator. But I don't know. I, I but I think this team is very qualified to make a deep run. We just got to see if they will. Absolutely. And Daniel, before you hop off here, I want to give you a video to watch. Look up on YouTube. Okay. We're talking about Jalen Hurts and all that. Look up on YouTube the GQ interview of how he spent his first million. I think you'll be very impressed. Definitely we'll put that on the uh, the playlist, a video list to watch. Y'all have a good night and go balls. Appreciate the phone call, Daniel. Let's keep it rolling. Phil is next. What do you say, Philly? What do you say, Jack Stick? Philly. Well, I heard you on our show. As soon as you get there, phone calls start coming in, and then as soon as this show starts, phone calls keep coming in. Pretty cool, you know. Well, somebody's got to bring the talent around here, Phil. I had to do it. <laughs> oh, if you and the crew are doing, I got a little crud right now. I mean, it happens, Phil. I've been out here working in the rain. I'm probably about to get it myself here in a couple of days. But it's uh, a big, big win uh, Saturday. I really can't complain. Uh, I never see a double-digit victory over Texas. Did you? I really didn't. I think I said 69 to 65 would have been my final score, you know, just keeping it within that seven-and-a-half-point spread. I thought Texas would cover. Um, but I'm glad I was wrong. They pretty much eliminate Texas as their more scores, didn't they? I mean, they shut them down. I mean, Marcus I don't think Carr, they – yeah. What they combined for, like – Marcus Carr had 11 and – I'm talking about like the first half. I don't know if they had oh, any. I think I think Marcus Carr was really? scoreless. In the first he did. Half. He yeah. had zeros. Jabari Rice guy was really the one who was cooking you in the first half and all game. I gotta go, guys. My voice is about to head up. I'll talk to you all over. My man have to get me a shot. They might help me out. You know. I'd do the shot and uh, a shot of whiskey. Well. That's why I say Jack's number one. He can give you a good advice and take phone call same time. See? <laughs> Appreciate the phone call, Phil. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More Fan Run Radio on the way. Back here on Overtime, Fan Run Radio. Did anyone else see what Will Wade had to say on his podcast? No, let me, let's see it. So, essentially, what he is trying to say is that if you're an established program, like a Tennessee, a Texas, Kentucky, Kansas, you get the picture. You can't necessarily build a program anymore. You can't rely on guys to hang around for three and four years. You can't build for the future anymore. You basically have to assemble a team every year. You can't build a program. You just have to assemble a team. And he said it has a lot to do with the transfer portal because guys are going to get somewhere. They're not going to get the immediate playing time they feel like they deserve. They're not going to get the minutes they deserve, or so they think. So they're going to transfer out. Whether that be good advice or bad advice, they're transferring out. And then you throw NIL into the picture. Some guys feels like he can get more money somewhere else, guess what? He's going to transfer up or he's going to go pro. And I kind of agree with him to an extent because you look at teams like Kentucky, teams like Duke, North Carolina, you're not building 
a program for the future. You're basically playing rec ball with whatever you can get out of the best you can get with a recruiting class and what you can get out of the transfer portal and just hope it works. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of truth to that. It's like, hey, you just try to pick up as many people as you want. You get a kid from Atlanta when your team's based out of Memphis. You just try to scrap together the best team you can on paper. But, I mean, like, people like Triple J and, I mean, Triple J, you look back, you mentioned Duke, like J.J. Redick, four-year guys. Like, they don't they don't exist anymore. No. It's not a thing. Like, Zakai Ziegler will probably be here four years because, like, his he's not NBA, like, let's be real here, he's probably not going to play in the NBA. Probably he's gonna not. be a great pl- college player, just like he is now. But I mean, that's all that, that goes for both levels, also, because you have guys that, like uh, Will Wade said, they don't get the playing time they feel like de- they deserve. Like, look at Drew Pember; he went from Tennessee, now he's at U- UNC Asheville, and he's putting up forty-eight and twelve. But then you get the guys from like the UNC Ashevilles and the Sanfords, and they come up and they play Division One ball, like that uh, Jabari Rice kid. He was at like New Mexico State, I think, or something for right. Texas, and now he's at Texas, and he dropped twenty-one uh, the other night. So. It goes both ways, but now, especially with the landscape of NIL and um, just the way the draft's put together, like he's right. You're going to have a different roster. You're going to have a roster flip every year. It's never going to be the way it was before NIL. No, it's like we we haven't seen it yet, but I expect maybe one or two guys to leave Tennessee this year and go to the transfer portal. Like BHH, like I, I didn't expect him to transfer, and he did anyway. Like He would be playing right now on this team. Yeah, but he'd be getting valuable minutes. Now he's at Louisville on a two and whatever twenty one team, and yeah, I mean he's playing, but you know what? What are you accomplishing? He's not accomplishing anything. All he did was kill, probably killed his draft stock if there is any left at this point. No, I mean that's what we're looking at with him. Is you're looking at a guy who didn't appreciate what he had here and thought that he was going to get the world given to him at Louisville, and they might have come up with an NIL package. I'm not sure, but at the same time. You know, he could have been a key player on this team, given his ability. But when you have outside factors that are making the decisions for you, that's when things get dicey. And that's another thing that Will Wade, I don't even necessarily think he mentioned it. But these guys are, a lot of them are not making the decisions for themselves. Mm-mm. They got other people making the decisions for them. It's like, I mean, that goes for football, too. I mean, you look at uh, Isaiah Nayor. I mean, he was committed to us, but he ultimately went to Texas because they offered him more money and more perks. Exactly, and we may begin played right now with the same thing with that Igbenosin kid. We very well might. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about like the whole four-year player, I mean, there's not gonna be any Tyler Hansbros or Plumley brothers. Baycotts, yeah, now like Baycotts, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be. I mean, this is how it's been. I mean, Kentucky was doing this what ten years ago, basically, where they brought in Anthony Davis, and they brought in Demarcus Cousins, and they brought in Carthy Towns, like those teams, like. They their, were, their whole roster was just a new recruiting class yeah, every year, and every they're still year. doing it pretty much. So, I mean, well, because that's the only system that he knows. He doesn't know anything else. He has to do the one-and-done system because he can't build a program. Yeah, I mean, you talk about building a program, but I think more of, I guess what I'm trying to say is the way you build a program is by getting those recruits in and winning so that you can further your next year so you get the better recruits in. I mean, you're building a program, but you're building it with new people every year. I feel like I'm a little indifferent about this. I mean, I'm sitting here trying to gather my thoughts. But from a historical standpoint, it's going to be a lot easier to assemble a team when you've assembled a a historical program. So that's why the the Dukes and North Carolinas of the world do so well at assembling that. And Kentucky, for instance, bringing in three top five commits. But I understand what Will Wade's saying. But, like, also, I know this, like, yeah, you can even take women's basketball, for example, like, 
Holly Warlick with the Lady Vols, I know this for a fact that she, like, if she had to do it over, she had one more year, like, she would rather, it's all about, like, scouting, too. Like, you can go look at the name on paper, sure, you're ringing in a five-star, but those aren't the kids that are going to buy in and help build your program and stay there for three, four years. Like, you know, you get some of these five-star talents, and their egos are so big, they're not going to listen to what the coach says. I mean, then you got Avina Westbrook just bashing her on national yeah, television like exactly just like cases like that but you get like a little three-star low four-star girl in there she's gonna listen and do whatever the coach says and work her butt off and those are the kind of kids that you want now in your program nowadays mixed in with like maybe a julian phillips or a um you know like kennedy chandler or yeah that or that or i mean baycott's a different example he's a five-star but he stayed there four years and he's now the leading rebounder in Carolina history. Yeah, so I agree with that. And yeah, and that's why we're probably succeeding at a higher rate than Kentucky is and has been for the last couple of years. I mean, look at the roster. We have right. five stars sprinkled in with guys like Zakai Ziegler, Vascovi, um, who's another uh Camwa. Like it's just a mix of both. So did Rick Barnes figure out the formula before everybody else did, essentially? I mean, I think so, but I also think it's because Rick Barnes doesn't go by – I mean, he goes by the book. He's not like a slimy cheater out here like Kyle Perry or Bill Self or Coach K was. Like, he's always going to play by the rule, and I think that actually benefited him more than just like people like Coach K and Cal that go out there and get five stars. And like Duke right now, John Shire, they have the same exact thing we're talking about Kentucky. Mm-hmm. They had two, three, and four for this year's recruiting class, and they're awful this year. Like, it doesn't work out that way sometimes. So I think – uh that actually does benefit Rick Barnes that he's not playing outside the rule book and is going to get the right kind of guys in here. Well, and something else to think about, and this is across every sport. This isn't just with basketball. This is with football. It's with baseball. And you can even throw NASCAR in the mix. Bryson, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Like, when you have too many egos on one team and they're not working together, they're only in it for themselves, you're going to see that team deteriorate. You know, we see it in basketball all the time. Like you just mentioned Duke. In football, you start seeing it with teams like Alabama. It's like too many egos are getting in the way. NASCAR. You see that a lot in NASCAR. Yeah, I mean, especially with Hendrick Motorsports yeah. a few years ago when they had that god-awful slump. It's like you got Chase Elliott, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jimmy Johnson, and all those guys on the same team, but they're not working together. And basically Chevrolet as a whole was not working together. NASCAR is a perfect example for this. Yeah, I mean, look at Stuart Haas Racing. Yep. Stuart Haas Racing is the best example. Those guys, they had four drivers in the final eight a few years ago. They're not even going to sniff that for a long time. If you look at, uh, I mean, Duke is a perfect example this year. They got the, what was Derek Lively rated? Was he three or two? It's two. two. Yeah, so you know what Derek Lively is averaging right now? Like, Triple like, single. Six points. Like, like six points and like three rebounds. Yeah, he wasn't even in the game for them in the final yeah. seconds. The other so, night like, even, I mean, that kind of shows that I, I'm i not going to call the kid out on what it is, but, like, I'm going to assume that his ego is getting in the way of him succeeding at Duke. I mean, we are number three player in the nation. What is he? Seven foot tall. Yeah. So Duke had number two player Derek Whitehead, who's yeah. not doing anything for them. Derek Lively not doing anything for him, and number four player Kyle Flabowski. Yeah, and he's, Hey, yeah. I'm a five star. I don't have to work hard. I've earned this because I'm a five star. I'm not getting paid NBA money yet, but I deserve that because I'm a five star. I did really well at my high school. I did really well with my AAU team. I'm a five star. That's the attitude that they, those guys have. And. Guess who was number five on that list? Who? Dylan Mitchell of Texas, who we played Saturday. Well, he was well, us in Texas were his final two. He's now averaging six points for the Longhorns. So you say, what's he doing? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Let's go right back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Fake Bob is next. What do you say, Fake Bob? What's up, fellas? Hey. Hey. Uh, so you're 
going with your conversation that y'all are having. It, it, I think that's why, like, Rick Barnes, one, he's the way he is, but two, just hammers on them doing their job and stuff because deep down he knows they're not the most athletic team. They're not the five stars and stuff like that. And I think that makes up for them being more coherent as a team, makes up for the lack of them not being as athletic as some the other guys that they're facing on other teams. No, I agree a hundred percent with that. I agree one hundred percent with that. And that's the one thing that you can say with just about every Rick Barnes team that he's had. You know, we can complain about the runs in March. We can complain about, you know, mismanaging your roster here and there, mismanaging your lineups. But the one thing that you can always say about a Rick Barnes team, they are a collective unit. The the only exception to that I would say maybe is uh that Keon and Jaden team. Like they didn't even play hard in that uh, game against Oregon State, I thought. Like they just came out flat and No, they were team, ready they were ready to go to the NBA. Yeah. The whole team was pretty pathetic. And I, I think COVID had a lot to do with that too, yeah. like because this team, or it seems like Rick Barnes' teams, like during the off season stuff, they're always doing team building things together, and that team just wasn't ever able to really hang out with each other because of the COVID restrictions. It was kind of like go to practice and then go back to your dorm room kind of thing. And also getting uh, a thing shoved up your nose three times a week that literally touches your skull. Yeah, you can go to practice together, but don't go eat together. You can go to practice, but yeah. don't go hang out with each other. They've been sweating on each other for three hours, but can't eat together for 30 minutes at a Moe's or a Cane's <laughs> or whatever. And uh, you already knew I was going to bring this up, but the performance Saturday by Cumwall is the reason why I stay on him so much, like on Twitter and stuff. I mean, I've had people reach out and are like, why are you so hard like, on him during games and like call him out? Because so like, I know he can do stuff like this if he – just put effort in here or in it all the time. There's just times he just seems like he just doesn't care almost. No, you're exactly right. I mean, that's the thing is he has the ability to go out and get you 18 every night. He has the ability to go get you a double-double, but he's got to apply himself. I mean, that's the thing. And I know last year he had the injury, but came out this year, it did not look good. He had a couple of good games leading up to this one, but we got to have that. Consistency, consistency. Yes. not in asking. and not out. That's all we're asking yes. for. Is yes. consistency. Yeah, we don't we, we don't need the twenty seven point tonight. We we're just asking for the twelve to sixteen points tonight and the five or six rebounds and playing decent defense. I was gonna say like even twelve and eight a night is good enough. Like yeah. just give me something like that. I'll be thrilled have, with that. It doesn't have to be a Superman effort like Saturday. Yeah, and I was just looking at the matchup Saturday, and like I just felt like he was going to be a mismatch for them if he was just came out aggressive and that's what he did and I mean he stayed aggressive the whole game and it just it opened so much more on our offensive end when he was like that because they started had to bring double teams at him and stuff like that well when you do that what are you doing you're opening up somebody to shoot a wide spot open up three. shot yes. yes I mean they brought the zone and I mean Olivia just stood in the middle yep Yep. He just stood in the yep. middle the whole time and literally just picked apart their defense from whether it was an up and under or it was a left-handed shot or a kick out. I mean, you also get at the top and you can dump down when they come up on you because you're playing so well. Like, yeah, it's a it's a glitch. Yeah, let's just hope that he stays consistent. And, because if we get that Olivier the rest of the way, then that team is going to be hard to beat. Because then you really honestly have five guys on the offensive end with that starting lineup that he put out there that can literally go out and 
score if they just would focus. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is getting out there, staying focused, and doing what you know how to do. It's like Zakai Ziegler, he knows that he can go out and do what he's doing. He can do that night in and night out. So can Kamwa. You know, Julian Phillips. You know, I want consistency out of him. I want consistency out of all these guys. The biggest disappointment of this year, to, in my mind, is Tyreek Key. Yep. He comes out and has a fantastic yeah. game, and then he has not really done much since. He's scared. He looks scared to shoot the ball Saturday. And the one time he was wide open in front of the Tennessee bench, he airballed. Yeah. Like, it was bad. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, he he's definitely been the, the disappointment. And I was high on him when he was coming in. Uh, on my way out, I don't know if you know all know about the COVID year or not, who had the extra year or not. But out of the guys who could possibly come back, do you see any of them coming back? And I'll hang up and listen. Euros. Euros. Yeah, Euros yeah. obviously going to come back. Zakai. Zakai. But Zakai, I think he's talking about just like seniors. Oh, yeah. So Euros is going to come back. Olivier is a senior, correct? Yes, yeah. he should come back. I think Triple J should come back because, I mean, we talk about draft stock, but I think he'd be just better. You probably get more money, honestly, just staying here out of NIL yeah. deals than you would yeah. as an undrafted free agent or a G League player. Yep. Uh, Olivier, I mean, if you get those three back, like, you should be fine, really. I wouldn't be surprised to see Euros transfer with the minutes reduction that he's seen since the beginning <laughs> of the year to playing six minutes this last game. See you, Chomp. <laughs> hey. Happy trails. I mean, hope he does good. The best one-liners in the business, my Australian producer. Let's go back to the phones. Matthew is next. What do you say, Matthew? Hey, Jake. How we doing, fellas? How are we? uh, Optimism Monday, I guess, after a big win on Saturday. Uh, I wouldn't call us optimistic. I'm I'm pretty realistic. You know that about me. Always have been. Always will be. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I actually, uh, if you had to... You know, it's funny, Jake. I actually have yet to watch the game full recap. I was at a wedding. And uh, for context with your buddies, I'm, I live here in Dallas. And I will say the funnest thing I could do all night was everybody's watching it on their phones. A couple of my friends that went to Baylor. And they're like, oh, man, Tennessee's up big. Is Tennessee good this year? I'm like, they were, like, shocked. At it. It's just kind of like a you live in Texas. It's like almost it's not the Midwest. It's its own entity. And they just don't realize that. There's other schools outside of the state of Texas that are actually good at college basketball. Like they only think that Baylor's good, and then that's it. In this in the state, it's truly remarkable. That's an interesting one, and of course, you know, down in Texas, uh, high school football is king. There are a lot of high schools in Texas that have nicer stadiums than a lot of the smaller Division One colleges you see around here. Like it's pretty remarkable, yeah. Matthew. You can attest to that. Yeah, I mean. Right outside my – I mean, I could throw a rock at it right now, but Highland Park High School produced Matthew Stafford. Like, pretty – like, everywhere you go, that's all they want to talk about. But there, there's South Lake, which is probably 20 minutes north of me. They produced Quinn Ewers and a bunch of other guys. I mean, this this is all – I mean, some of their schools around here look like – I'll say it, Jake. Some of these high schools here have a better facility than Middle Tennessee State. I believe that 100%. What's the what's the high school in Texas that has, like, the food Allen, court? Allen, t- or Allen High School. Yeah, it has, like, a food court in it. Chick-fil-A, Subway. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I mean, the, the old saying goes, everything's bigger in Texas. And it's not not, not true, but it's, it's on a different level when you're here. But the reason I called in was, for one, shout out to our Grizzlies. Big, 
finally got off a five game losing streak. Thank God. Still ass. Two, yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, that's yeah. I don't know. It, 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 it's amazing what you do when you actually put your two best guys out there for more than thirty minutes in a game. Yeah, no, I hundred hundred percent agree. But it's sad that you have to play both those guys almost forty minutes each against a team that's lost nine of their last ten and doesn't even have their starting point guard. That's pretty pathetic. But you know, I don't even know if Kleiman will do anything. I guess. I guess beating the Pacers is good enough not to make a trade. Who knows? We, uh, me and Davis are big Grizzlies fans, and uh, we saw. Well, I guess all of us saw. Yeah, I don't know about Bryson, but Hornets guy. Yeah, we saw that. Uh, was it Bobby Mokes? Right. Yeah. He, yeah. He wants them to go get OG Ananobi from the Raptors. Yeah, I just I can't get on board with that take it just yet. It's just such a hard. How would you? Like a fifty-fifty. How would you feel if uh, Dylan Brooks? You're basically swapping the two. I guess the question is, what's your opinion on Brooks as an offensive asset, or do you see him as a defensive liability? I see him as neither. Like I, I don't even know at this point. But he's he's the worst player out of the 450 on an NBA roster. He takes the most shots with the lowest field goal percentage out of anyone in the NBA. Yeah, you're right. I mean. I'm still getting PTSD for last year from Dylan Brooks shooting that three versus Golden State. Um, yep. Yeah, but, but uh, I really didn't want to talk Memphis Grizzlies, but now you've got me wanting to talk about it. That's <laughs> all right, man. Um, I guess here's my question, and I'll call in tomorrow with Grizzly talk, but uh, let's let's kind of keep it here on Tyreek Key because, Jake, you heard me talk about it with Bear, and I'll hang up and listen, but do you guys feel like he's been kind of underwhelming? You know, honestly, from a whole, because I, Jake knows where I'm going with this, but I, I have a hot take here that I feel like if he wasn't from Salina, Tennessee, we wouldn't have even had him on our radar because he didn't really, he doesn't have the the, the roster, or I shouldn't say roster, the, the offers. I mean, he had Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss. So, I mean, it's just, I like Tyree Key. I think he, I, I would hopefully, uh, I would love it if he proves me wrong on Wednesday and drops and gets 20 and, 20 and 8, but it's just I think his role is just going to be a role player off the bench, and hopefully he hits a couple threes, but it just feels like when he shoots the ball, he's, he's, he's lacking confidence. He, he, like you said earlier, he looks scared. But, hey, I'll let you all enjoy. Take care, guys. Go balls. Appreciate the phone call, Matthew. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More Fan Run Radio on the way. Back here on Overtime, Fan Run Radio, it is time to make our picks. Who is going to score 20-plus in the NBA tonight? I think we won by what? One by one? One point, because Paulo had 19. Well, I predicted 20. What were the stats overall? I'm assuming y'all went 5-0. and oh and No, we they went 4-1. and one, We went 3-2. and two. Ah, nice. All righty. We get first pick. And our first pick is Joel Embiid, 20-plus. Um, I'm going to go Monday night. Man. Man, man, man. It's tough. 
Gosh, man. Just give me Anthony Edwards, 20-plus. Darren Fox. I'll take LeBron. Stop playing, chump. Oh, sorry, I don't know the injury report like the back of my ass, man. Golly, Matthew. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the injury report ever. LeBron and AD are not playing tonight. Lovely. Uh, I don't know, man. Give me uh, Luka, 20-plus. All right. Give me Kyrie. 20 plus. He's averaging 37 points. I don't know six. if he's playing either, but I'll check after this. Um, <laughs> no one's playing. <laughs> no one, yeah, this is what this is the awful thing about NBA. No one, no one plays nowadays. Oh, it just literally uh, popped Luka, up. Luca will play. Yeah, Luca um, will play. Gonna go. Um, give me. Uh, gosh, this lineup is terrible. I guess give me Kuzma 20 plus. I actually took Darren Fox and. Gildas Alexander to parlay to score 25-plus, so I'll take Gildas Alexander for 20. Is Damian Lillard playing Woj? D- yes. Sure. <laughs> Is that your pick, man? Yeah, give me Dame. All right. My final pick. Has anybody picked Trey, Trey Young? No. No. Give me Trey. All right. <laughs> My last pick, I'm going to go – Hmm. I kind of want to go bogged on, but I don't know if I want to go bogged on. I mean, I mean, you want to keep it safe, or you go a wild card? Is the question. I mean, there's no really safe picks anymore, so I guess I'm just gonna go because uh, I gotta go Steph twenty plus. Yeah, which I was, that I was gonna pains go me to say. Walker. Yeah. Well, it's Lonnie Walker. Even he's yeah, injured. he's no, he's playing tonight. Oh, is he? Yeah. I don't know. Lakers might put up fifty points tonight. Yeah, I mean. Austin Reeves is out. Anthony Davis out. LeBron James out. I guess KD's playing tonight. No, he's not. No. Oh, well, there Been you go. Hurt for like a month. Yeah, I know he has, but I mean, ESPN just does not update anything. So, Ratio. job. And if you want any more picks to make tonight, <laughs> McCall Bridges. Assist total is three and a half. He's hit nine out of his last ten. Kristaps Porzingis, 20 and a half on points. He's hit eight out of his last ten. Clay Thompson points, 21 and a half, eight out of the last 10. Andrew Wiggins assist, one and a half, eight out of his last 10. If you want to bet the unders on some stuff, got some for you. Gilgis Alexander on rebounds, five and a half, two out of the last 10. Jeremiah Grant, his rebound total, five and a half, two out of the last 10. And Harrison Barnes rebounds, four and a half, two out of the last 10. Do you have Jakob Polo rebounds? I'll have to pull it up real quick, Matthew. Give me one second. Well, I didn't know you've had it on the sheet. No. Okay. Do I look like I have paper in front of me? I don't know how to read a piece of paper. I'm from La Follette, man. Hey, man, I'm just trying to give you some credit around here. <laughs> Pearl's probably like eight or eight or it's nine. It's usually like eight ten. and a half, yes, nine, nine and a half. I was just wondering what his hit rate was over the last, like, ten. I don't have that in front of me. Uh, his total tonight, and he's usually money – when it comes to rebounds. Uh, his rebound total is eight and a half. I'd probably take the over. Let me hold up. I'll give you uh, his totals for the last – I'll just go the last five games. I'm not going to go ten. Okay. But um, his last five games, he's – wow, okay. Thirteen. Yep. Two. Ah! Eight, seven, and six. So, maybe uh, he's not such Dude, a sure luck. Maybe take an alternate on that. Go six-plus rebounds on Jakob Pertl. I would I would agree with that. I mean, he's averaging nine point one. No, he's averaging seven point seven. Oh wait, I was wrong here. 
Yeah, he's averaging 9.1 this year, so I don't know what the two is. It's a huge outlier. That's interesting. Maybe do an alternate prop on that. Go six-plus rebounds for Jakob Pertl. Um, Anything else that you guys want to throw out there? Um, um, I guess big three-point shooters, like what's Poole's number tonight? Probably two and a half. Two and a half, yeah. Or probably Bogdan because, you know, Pistons are just tanking and he's just trying to hoop. <laughs> yep, he's just trying so. to get some buckets. I want to get into this topic in the next hour, but some of the rule changes that have been brought up for the NBA that are possibilities. I want to talk a little bit about that and what you would like to see. Uh, right now, we're going to go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Chris is next. What do you say, Chris? Yeah. Yes, earlier they were Russell Bear were talking about the submarine. It's at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. It's actually a German U boat from World War Two. I've been on it twice. It's actually pretty cool to walk around. That is very interesting and I've got two people in this studio right now that are is that when U boat was in what, World War One or two? Two. Two. Okay. Matthew. Hey man, I I, I knew the I knew which one I knew I had a, I had a fifty fifty shot. I know my history somewhat. And, and you missed it. Yeah. But yeah, it's actually kind of surreal walking around on a German U boat from World War Two. That's interesting. I've got to go in a couple of tanks from like the Vietnam era, and like even up through the Gulf War, they still got them like out in this field at Fort Bragg, like they're just out in the field, like they've not been touched in years and years and years. Yeah, walking around that thing, I could not imagine living on a submarine for months at a time. Oh, I'd hate life. Just the lack of room and everything's so compact. Think about David Robinson lived on a sub. I don't even know how that's even possible. Seven-footer on a submarine. Uh, that would be very uh, be very hard. <laughs> Uncomfortable. And uh, speaking of that, a great movie if you never saw it. It's called The Imitation Game. I don't know, it came out about four or five years ago. Benedict Cumberbatch, it's True story how they broke, how the British broke the German Nazi code in World War II. It's actually a very good movie. You never saw it. The Imitation Game. Chris, if you've been listening to The Drive for any longer than a year, you know that I do not watch movies. He just played. Yeah, great movie, but to anybody else listening. So. But, uh, <laughs> you but it's kind of crazy. I, I tried to Google this. I couldn't figure it out. Somehow Purdue loses a game. Tennessee, assuming Tennessee wins, Tennessee will most likely move up to number one in men's basketball. Has there ever been a college that's been in the same year number one in football, basketball, and baseball? Think about that. That's insane. I know Florida did it in football and basketball in the mid-2000s. Right. I don't think their baseball team was top-notch by any means. Uh, that's a very, very good question because Alabama, they've always had decent baseball teams and obviously good football since Nick Saban arrived. Uh, but the basketball team has not always been that great. I, man, I'll be honest. I can't I think know. of a team. I don't know, but uh, if you hit number one in basketball in the next like month or so, that'll be all three in a 365-day frame. So yeah, that's, that's crazy. I'm sure Phil will find some way to complain about it. All right, see you. <laughs> Appreciate cool. the phone call, Chris. That's an interesting one. I don't necessarily know. Probably never happened. It probably has never happened because I mean, I mean, you think of, I mean, you just think of like the big names like Duke, Duke, no, no. UCLA, no. I mean, they were what? No football, yeah. John Wooden was around, but that was like 
70s. Yeah. I sweep the floor because I want to be just like the janitor. I don't know if that's how he talked, but I imagine. I mean, I mean, I assume maybe back in the early 1900s, possibly. Like Princeton or... Yeah, like, Mod- I'm talking like modern era Florida is uh, probably the only one because yeah. of football. The yeah, Billy Donovan and Urban Meyer there at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Ohio State was ever number one. Ohio State has a baseball team? No, I'm talking about basketball. If there was a team Wait. to do it, it would have been Florida. I think it would have been Florida in the mid-2000s. They went to the College World Series in 05 and 03. I was thinking LSU. Oh, they did go in 05. Yeah. So that's right in between. Yeah, maybe LSU as well. But LSU's not good enough in basketball to be number one. Yeah. I I mean, maybe Ohio State. Were they ever number one when they had Evan Toner? I don't think they were. Hmm. Or Greg Oden. They might have been when they had Greg Oden. Yeah, so I mean, but I don't know if they were number one in football that year either. Or to no. end at Jim Trestle. So yeah. Probably not. That's back when all the controversy was really starting to yeah. come to a head with that whole group. That's going to do it for hour number one. Hour number two coming up right here on Fan Run Radio.